Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled it, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Keith, and Chris. Welcome to the show on Tuesday, June 11th. What's going on, everybody? Adam Azer here with Chris Towers, who just got back from vacation. Welcome back, Chris. Oh, I should have had the welcome back. Why don't I ever have the welcome back music queued up? Hi, Chris. Hey Adam, yeah. How you doing? I'm back. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you want me to stall so you can get the music ready, or are you just are we gonna? I'm go having for that? internet issues. Okay, uh, no, yeah, no I'm internet bad. issues. So. so no, it was great. I was I was on vacation. I went to Atlanta for a long weekend. Hey, wait, Love hold Atlanta, on. Atlanta, top three city. Uh, you're not even listening. And now you're not even listening to the music. Welcome back. There it is. Okay, yeah. cool. Did you go to the Coca-Cola factory? I did not. I went once when I was a kid, and I haven't been since. Jeez, somebody doesn't know how to I mean, do what, Atlanta. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the like. Is it actually? Is it a working factory? I don't know. I went when I was or, a kid too. I haven't. <laughs> I've been back in like uh, twenty five years. Anyway, there was not a lot going on on Monday. An unbelievably brief uh, news and notes section today. We had eight games. The Yankees and Mets got rained out, so we were down to eight games. Um. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, what went on. But also, we haven't done this all year, I don't think. Fun with fan graphs. Chris is here, so we're going to take a look at fan graphs. Some of the leaders in some important categories. Hard contact rate, BABIP, uh, things like that. Home run to fly ball rate for pitchers. Um, and we'll see what we can make of it. And maybe we can find some trade candidates in that. Uh, any standouts for you in Monday's games that you're just dying to talk about, Chris? Yeah, I think we should probably do another U Darvish conversation. He no, it, it wasn't even a terrible start, but it was just another one where he wasn't great. Like I mean, I know it was course, course field. field. Come on, Chris, this was okay, a good but is start. U Darvish is U Darvish someone we're giving the benefit of the doubt to because he pitched in course field? No, really, the only thing I actually looked at it as a. As an encouraging start because he didn't walk anybody, but five starts ago, Darvish didn't walk anybody, and then in his next four, he walked like 11 in about 24 innings. So you're going to have to see that it again. that start that you're referring to, he had 11 strikeouts. He only had three yesterday. Yeah, I, I didn't take much away because I sat you, Darvish. I own, own him in two leagues now, and I sat him, and I just I didn't expect much from Coors, but six innings, four runs at Coors is actually not that bad. No walks is good. The st- you know what? I, I'll say this. My opinion didn't change of you, Darvish. I'm still still stashing him. We'll okay. start in the appropriate matchups, and I'm hopeful. Did your opinion change? No, no, but right. I'm a lot less hopeful than you are. And uh, so, I'm not as hopeful as you might think. <laughs> I'm So for me, it's mostly that I'm just I'm looking for reasons to be hopeful, and that did not provide any for me. Yeah, but do you have the guts? I think to, is the way. Do you have the guts to drop you, Darvish? Probably not, but you know, I, I maybe I wish I did. Our first segment of the day, other than Monday's standouts, is called "Rank These Starting Pitchers." Do you know how this segment works, Chris? <sighs> 
Um, I'll guide you I through. I think I might be able to figure it out. All right. Then let me know if you have any questions. Um, all right. Rank these starting pitchers. Darvish is one of them. His opponent last night, Armand Marquez, who also went six innings and gave up four runs, three homers against the Cubs. Mike Miner, very good start at Boston, eight innings, two runs, six strikeouts. And Griffin Canning, who in his last five starts is the number 22 starting pitcher in points, number 20 in Roto. In those starts, he has a 270 ERA. Four walks, 28 strikeouts, and 30 innings with a 15% swinging strike rate, which is just bonkers. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go... I didn't include his first three starts. I was trying to be a little generous for Griffin Canning. But rank those pitchers. You see him on the list there as Minor, Darvish, Marquez, and Canning. Uh, I'll go Marquez, Minor... I feel more comfortable in starting Griffin Canning than you, Darvish, at this point. So, yeah, I'll go with him. And you're still going with Marquez over Minor? Yeah, and I wouldn't feel, if you asked me to explain that, I wouldn't feel super comfortable in whatever explanation I came by. I just don't quite trust what Mike Miner's doing uh, as sustainable because it's just such an outlier for what he's done, you know, in his recent history as a starter. The good news, when there are only eight games, it gives me more time to kind of dig into players. I think Chris Scott and Heath always do that, but, you know, I'm putting together the show. It takes time. So, But when there are only eight games, I got a chance to kind of look more into the numbers for Mike Miner. Now, first thing, okay, so Mike Miner has a 252 ERA and a 118 whip and more than just over a strikeout per inning. And I'm going to try to find out where he ranks among starting pitchers. He is ahead of Herman Marquez, who is... Uh, oh, yeah. He's got to be pretty well, high up, yeah, given the volume Marquez that is, you're working with. Marquez is 15th in points and 26th in Roto. Uh, Miner's actually 16th in points, one point behind Herman Marquez, but ahead of him in Roto. So let's say he's around 20th in Roto. Um, he has an, Mike Miner has an 87.1% strand rate. So... Right off the bat, Chris, what does that tell you? Uh, either he is better than basically anyone in baseball at pitching with runners on base, or more likely, he's been incredibly lucky. Right. It's a very high number. Uh, the good, though, 43.8% ground ball rate. That's a career high. 12% swinging strike rate. That's a career high. And if you look at those two numbers, ground balls and swinging strikes, very, very similar to his 2017 season. 2017, he had a 2.55 ERA, which is almost exactly what he has right now, and more than a strikeout per inning. However, it was all as a reliever. So there are a lot of things to play here with Miner. Sure, he's been lucky with an 87% strand rate. But those two numbers, ground balls and strikeouts, are showing the same pitcher that we saw two seasons ago when he was great as a reliever. Didn't And, and, and by the way, after the All-Star break, break last year, he did have a 2.97 ERA and 53 strikeouts in 57 and two thirds. I don't know if he made any adjustments after the All Star break, but it's now it's it's now like a year almost of a sub three guy. Um, I'm I'm buying into Minor more than you are. Yeah, I think. And, and like I said, I don't have a great explanation for it. It's it's mostly just that you know it's 90 innings and sometimes things happen in 90 innings, but because I I, I don't necessarily see like a huge adjustment that he's made. Yes, he is getting more swinging strikes, but he still has a 
you know, an XFIP in the 3.9 range, a Sierra, wow. I think that's at 4.00. Really? And so, yeah, it's weird. I'm not 100% sure what the explanation for it is there. Um, so for me, it just, it seems like a couple of good months. I guess the the fact that it's going back to the second half of last season, I didn't realize that does change my perspective a little bit, but I still do view him as a sell-high candidate. And I, I think I view Armand Marquez as a buy-low candidate. I, I've sort of... Okay, look, you have to accept he's not going to strike guys out like he did last year. But he still has a good strikeout rate. He's still one per inning. And like I said, he's 16th in points. He's 25th in roto. He very rarely has a bad start. Like last time out at the Cubs, he gave up eight runs and five and a third. But he very rarely has a bad, bad start. And I think people are really down on him. In fact, we're going to read an email later about Marquez. We can talk more about him. Um, but the fact that you rank him over minor, I think, probably tells tells me that you consider Marquez a, a buy low as well, depending on how people view him. Sure, and, and it really does depend, like you said, if someone in your league is just fed up with Mike Minor. And and this is Marquez. This gets to something that I yeah Marquez. I this gets to something that I think is worth mentioning. We you know. The email that you mentioned coming up, we we get a lot of like kind of rage drop. Like, I'm done with this guy. I dropped him. And at some point, and I think, you know, June 11th is a, is we're at that point now. You got to stop judging players based on what you drafted them as and then judging them as disappointments if they're not. You should judge a player for what he is. And in Herman Marquez's case, it's still a valuable pitcher. I would guess it's probably a, an ERA lower than 419. The whip is still good. It's still a good amount of strikeouts. And so, you know, he he's someone that I get being frustrated with him uh, because you might have drafted him as a potential ace, and he's not that, and he's probably not going to be that. But you got to take him for what he is at this point. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And like, uh, if you want to sit him at home, I guess sit him at home. Yeah, but but you don't have to. I mean, the Cubs, the Cubs in Ed Coors Field, that's really tough. And he did all right. Uh, all right, we got a lot more to get to here. Uh, actually, let me like, do you buy Griffin Canning? I love the swinging strike rate. And like I said, last five starts, he's a top twenty-two starting pitcher with a two seventy ERA in that stretch. What I don't love is like the basically innings cap, like pretty much getting six innings from him which means you're probably getting five or six strikeouts, which really isn't doing a whole lot. Um, the way I, Where I'm at with Griffin Canning is, like, I don't mind having him. Uh, I don't mind starting him right now. I don't know how much longer this is going to last. I wish, I wish I felt like I could sell high on Griffin Canning, but I'm not sure who's buying. Yeah, I think it's worth trying. The one thing that is worth considering is nobody really pitches deep into games anymore. Like Mike Miner does, I guess. But for the most part, we're going to have to recalibrate to a place where, you know, if if a guy's good and he gives you five innings every time, you're never going to get an ace out of that guy. But that represents the best case scenario for a lot of pitchers at this point. So... I, I knock him a, you knock him a little bit because of the the limited workload and you know the fact that he has been somewhat efficient and they just don't seem to trust him to go deep into games. Um, but in his case, the stuff is good. The swing strikes seem legitimate because of that stuff. And so, yeah, I think 
if someone wants to give you Armand Marquez for him, go for it. But I, I think he's still someone who should be useful moving forward. Chris, you play poker? Yeah. Yeah, I like a poker game. You don't play. Like, when was the last time you played poker? Like three weeks ago, but before really? that, it was like a year ago. Oh, okay. Well, that's still pretty I've good. I've been trying to get a game together with the office people, though. So yeah, that, I would love yeah. to get a poker game going. If, we, I would, if I was in the same office as you, I would play poker uh, with oh, you. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, the World Series of Poker is back. It's that time of year again. It is the 50th year of the most popular poker tournament in the world. You can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. Starting now until July 16th, you can live stream the final tables of 33 of the WSOP bracelet events, including 25 events that you cannot watch anywhere else. That's exclusive stuff on CBS All Access, including the 100K High Roller and 100K Six Max. There's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. The stakes are high, the tension is palpable, and the winnings are huge. You can watch all the events online or through the CBS app. Seriously, this is actually really cool stuff. Visit cbs.com poker, cbs.com poker, or download the CBS app on your phone or your streaming device. And you can get a free trial, so start watching today and don't miss any of the action. All right, get some poker action there. And today's sponsor is Robinhood. You'll hear more about them later. Strike.robinhood.com for our offer. Strike.robinhood.com. News and notes. John Carlos Stanton's going to start a rehab assignment today. Aaron Judge is going to start one soon. Stanton should be back well ahead of Judge. Unless he gets hurt on the rehab assignment again. Yoan Moncada left with a back issue. He's day-to-day. Adam Wainwright is on the IL. Uh, not looking good right now for Alex Reyes. His last two starts have been bad. Michael Waka rejoined the rotation yesterday. So I'm hopeful for Reyes, but he's got to turn it around in AAA. Jordan Lyles is on the IL with a hamstring injury. which may have been affecting his delivery on Sunday when he had a terrible start. Uh, did you see... You were in Atlanta. Were you at the Pirates game last night by any chance? I was home in South Florida by then. Well, did you see the stupid ejection? Yes. What an outrageous yeah, that, that ejection. Outrageous. I, I, I guess part of it has to be that the Pirates have a, at this point, I think pretty well-earned reputation for uh, throwing at people mm-hmm. and just kind of being like angry on the mound. And so maybe that organization has kind of lost the benefit of the doubt. The, the, I I can't remember who it was. Um, a, a former player tweeted yesterday after this that uh, it's like an organizational thing, like even coming up through the minors. I think he said he was with the Phillies, and it was something like, even when we were in the minors, we hated Pirates pitchers. So, you know, maybe it's that. Maybe. I mean, I, I I, that was the one guy I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Musgrove last night. Um, well. Because I don't really buy Joe Musgrove, but... You know, he he made some changes to his delivery, got back on track. I wanted to see what was what. He hits Josh Donaldson in the first inning, and it didn't really look intentional. Yeah. They start jawing at each other. Donaldson shoves the catcher, Diaz. I don't really know what Musgrove did. He must have said they, something really mean. Um, I think the umpire after the game said it was because he threw his glove down, and that was viewed as like oh, a, an escalation on. thing before Donaldson th- pushed the catcher. Come on. And they yeah, both got – you I, cannot toss a starting pitcher weak. in the first inning. Yeah. Like that is – Jameson Tyone's going to get a suspend or a fine for uh, his tweet. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see his tweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
okay. Uh, so anyway, Joe Musgrove got ejected. David Bodie homer to Colorado. Good job, Heath Cummings. Nice call on a sleeper hitter. Uh, Kevin Gosman was terrible again, which of course is very relevant because Dallas yeah. Keuchel had a very strong start in the minors. And even Sean Newcomb came in. If they want to replace two guys in the rotation, Newcomb had a great outing yesterday in relief. Seems like a long shot, but just saying. Uh, first baseman Matt Adams for the Nationals has an oblique issue. Could miss a couple of games. Howie Kendrick DH'd. Where, no, did he? Yeah, they were at the White Sox last night. Yeah, I think he DH'd. But this could just make more opportunity for Howie Kendrick if Adams has a serious injury. And Kendrick's just been awesome. Uh, Arizona and Philadelphia combined for an MLB record 13 home runs. We'll talk about that <laughs> game soon. And the Dodgers and Angels drew the biggest crowd in 21 years at Angel Stadium. It was a really exciting game with the Angels beating the Dodgers. All right, when we come back. That's wild. Yeah, what? The home, home runs? That's wild. That, that, that's a bigger crowd than they had like during their World Series season? Might have been regular. If they didn't have Might a bigger have one in 99? Oh, oh uh, like regular that's season. That's wild. Must be. Um, yeah. Or 2001 was when they won the World Series. Yeah. Right. Let's move on. Yeah, no, 99, 99 was the Yankees. Uh, double dongs when we come Ugh. back. Kingery, Escobar, Albies, Marte. A lot of your emails today at fantasybaseballcbsi.com. And fun with fangraphs. We'll be right back after this on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Double dongs. A lot of dongs last night. Like I said, record-setting night in Philadelphia. And Scott Kingery was part of that. He hit two home runs. And uh, Eduardo Escobar hit two home runs. And Cattell Marte homered as well. We'll talk about him. Uh, but, all right. what? Do you, okay, let's start with Kingery. He's 47% owned. Is he criminally under-owned right now, batting 324, slugging 610? No, I don't think a reasonable prosecutor would be able to bring this case <laughs> uh, to jury. But I do think he's under own. And, and one thing that I really like seeing is last season he had a lot of trouble making contact. Um, he's been hitting the ball really hard this year, but there were still some contact issues with him. But then you look at the last 10 games, he has eight strikeouts. He's starting to hit a little better. That's a good sign because this is someone who I do think still, you know, over the course of a full season could still be a 25 homer, 20 steal guy. And I would imagine he's going to play pretty much every day moving forward unless they, and he has been basically since he came off the IL, um, but unless they go trade for a center fielder. And even then, I think he's probably a better player than Michael Franco at this point. So I would hope we see Scott Kingery 
in the lineup every day, and I do think he should be more owned than 47%, especially. I think he should be owned in all categories, Lee. Would you have the guts? Do you, do mm. you have them to rank Kingery ahead of Ozzy Albies, who also double-donged yesterday? No, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, Albies is definitely a safer play, and the upside, I'm not sure, is that much higher. You know, he... I would guess Albies won't hit for as much power as Kingery, but he's, you know, in a better spot in the lineup. He should be, um, you know, I would set the baseline higher than than Kingery for sure. Albies is is annoying though. I mean, he is the number nine second baseman in points leagues, number fourteen in roto, but so streaky. Maybe this gets him going. A nice two homer game. Plate discipline's good again, um, but. There's just not that much there. There's nine home runs and four steals so far in 66 games for Ozzy Albies and uh, a 269 batting average. And now he's he, batting he's at the bottom of the order. He's a huge volume guy. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things he has going in, in his favor is I think he, he lead baseball and plate appearances last year. Not going to happen. He, he got moved down in the order. I mean, he's going to have to hit his way back up to the top because, sure. you know, he's, he's batting like seventh now. Um,. But he could, you know, obviously those things change. All right, other double dongs from yesterday. Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo Escobar is the number two shortstop in fantasy. Number three third baseman in points leagues. Number two third baseman in Roto. He is batting 299 with 17 home runs. Last year he had 272 with 23 home runs and 48 doubles in 151 games. Do you buy this from Eduardo Escobar? No. No, I mean, you look at the expected stats, and he looks a lot like the guy he was last season. It's actually kind of shocking how similar he looks. Um, last year, he had a 250 expected batting average and a, two four, a 429 expected slugging percentage. This year, he's got a 233 expected batting average and a 425 expected slugging percentage. So uh, not hitting the ball particularly hard. Doesn't have a particularly good barrel rate. He looks very similar to the guy he's been the last couple of years. So I think you're looking at a, a pretty pretty viable sell-high candidate here, one that you you probably won't regret making a move on. Well, I will say Eduardo Escobar was a top-12 shortstop. He was basically 12th, and he was 13th at third base. Um, sure, but he wasn't near this good. No, he was not. It looks like he's converted all of his doubles into home runs. Yeah, and that's something that, like, that's good, but if your net number of extra base hits hasn't really gone up, that's probably well, it has it a has. sign that. I mean, I, I I oversimplified it, but last year he had forty eight okay. doubles, and well, let's, all right, let's. Yeah, it's the, not to say he's bad, but he's the number two shortstop, and shortstop might be the most stacked position in fantasy right now. So, you know, if I I think you probably view him more in the fourteen fifteen range, and. If someone can give you something as, as a top seven or eight shortstop, I think, yeah, you try to move him. Uh, Arizona second baseman Adelmo Vargas also homered twice, but he's 2% owned. He doesn't play every day. I think we could skip him. But Starling Marte has been pretty hot lately, and he went three for five with two homers and four RBIs at Atlanta. So he has a 2.8% walk rate, and it's usually like 6%, <laughs> which is really low. But 2.8% is like hilarious. That's why Chris laughed. Uh, I, I don't even know. What do you make of Marte? Right now he's batting 289 with nine home runs and 11 steals 
in 54 games. I guess he's mostly been Starling Marte, but on pace for a career high in home runs now after these after this game last night. Uh, yeah, your take. Yeah. You know, he's mostly been Starling Marte, but you know, probably three weeks ago he hadn't been. So I, j- I just kind of look at it. He's mostly been what you expected. And so the walk rate's too low. I would expect that starts to regress a little bit. Maybe the power comes back down. Um, but yeah, he's a much better option in a Roto League uh, for sure. Probably not necessarily a must-start guy in a points league, but for sure a must-start player in a in a roto league. All right, those are your double dongs from last night. Let's see. Would you rather have would you rather have Starling Marte or Whit Merrifield, who we have a fun email about later? Merrifield. Do you know the last time Whit Merrifield stole a base, Chris Towers? 1973. 74, actually. Ah. Uh, I always forget. He has still uh May 22nd was the last time he attempted a steal. I think May 7th might have been the last time he stole a base. Maybe it was May So the thing I would want to see in that, because, I don't know, I, I haven't been, maybe maybe there's something going on with the Royals and they're not running as much as, as we expected, but I, I would imagine. Oh, Mondesi is. That, yeah, so that that's why I would expect that's not the case. So maybe he just hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but no, I mean, he's... 21 times on base in that span, only three extra base hits. So he's had 18 uh, times standing on first base. So that's weird. I wouldn't expect it to continue. But, you know, one thing that we did talk about with last season was how concentrated his stolen bases were in the second half. And that came when the Royals were totally out of it and just kind of let everyone run and this season they're out of it. You know, he's attempted 13. Yeah. I mean, they were out of it on the <laughs> third day of the season, yeah. but you know, he eight stolen bases, five caught stealing. Maybe he slowed down a bit. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure there, but yeah, they haven't let him run as much this season. I think I would still take him over Marte, but maybe it's a categories versus points thing where you take Merrifield in points, uh, Marte and categories. Yeah, I mean, Merrifield, after the All-Star break, stole 28 bases in 67 games. Before the All-Star break, 17 steals in 91 games. So, yeah, he steals are streaky. I mean, yeah, home runs are streaky, so are steals. And I imagine he'll start running more. Uh, he has been cold, quite cold, uh, cold as ice. Didn't have that queued up, sorry. But uh, last 14 games, batting 283, but slugging 333. Two extra base hits, a double, and a triple. All right, we got more on Whit Merrifield later in our email section here. Let's get through the rest of yesterday's action. The fringy starting pitchers. Anibal Sanchez. Another great start. Only one strikeout. That was weird. But this is now three starts. It was six innings, one run, one strikeout at the White Sox. He got the win. And his last three starts, Anibal Sanchez has given up two earned runs with three walks and 15 Ks and 17 and a third. By the way, you got to be watching our video here. Go to YouTube. Type in CBS Sports and find our video every day because we got, like, video of Anibal Sanchez striking people out right now or striking person out, I guess I should say, 1K yesterday. But the fringy starting pitchers from yesterday are Sanchez, Jared Eikhoff, Michael Waka, and Sandy Alcantara. Sanchez, good. Eikhoff, dreadful. Waka, good. Alcantara, meh. Meh. Yeah. 
Do you want any of these guys on your mixed league roster? Sanchez against the right matchups. He was good last year. I don't think he's totally lost it, um, but I don't think he's great either. Th- these are all the definition of streaming guys. I think Alcanta- Alcantara might be the the most interesting guy, but you know, the, this is what he does. He goes through. He'll he had a great start his most recent time out. He'd been pretty good before that. Uh, and then he goes out and has a start where he can't find the strike zone. Still does a good job of limiting hard contact. The hitters really have a hard time squaring up on him, so he should be someone who outperforms his peripherals, but he's always going to have a really bad whip. Um, so he's more of just a, an upside stash play than anything else. I, I don't necessarily love any of these guys. And Eikhoff, I believe, has allowed 16 home runs in his last 27 innings which is a lot. 16 home runs in 27 and a third <laughs> inning. He gave up uh, five yesterday. 1137 OPS with a 237 BABIP in that span. Uh, almost as many home runs as strikeouts. I've, tr- I've been trying to find, I don't know if this doesn't seem to be available, but I wanted to get the pitching performance by hitters this season and see how it compares to the last 27 Innings for Jared Eikhoff, but yeah, I think at this point you can you can let go of Jared Eikhoff. I, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be in the rotation. I think Chris needs to give a little more credit to Anibal Sanchez. Sanchez had a 283 ERA, a 108 win, and a strikeout per inning in 136 and two thirds last year. He was really good. And I don't I don't think I didn't give him credit. I said he's good. Give him credit. Yeah, but he's the definition of a streamer. Really? Yeah, he hasn't been that good this year. He's got no, a 442 he uh, FIP. He has a 392 yeah. ERA. People don't play in leagues with FIP, so you should tell them what his ERA is. Okay, Adam. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, the biggest thing is the control hasn't been there this season. He's actually, the strikeouts are still okay. The The strand rate is fine, but he just hasn't been able to get the, the ball over the plate consistently enough. And he's also had a, a huge spike in his fly ball rate. So, you know, you, you look at Things it, looking he's moved up. in the wrong direction in all three uh, FIP or ERA predictive stats, but, you know, two of them in particular have really gone the wrong way. And so, Things know, are looking maybe up. maybe he's, what's that? Things are looking up, man. Three good starts in a row. Ba- yeah. Getting back. All right, we don't have to talk about mm. Anibal Sanchez anymore. Uh, we probably don't have to talk about Oakland starting pitcher Tanner Anderson or White Sox starting pitcher Odrisa Mertesbane. They both made their first starts of the season, do we? Anderson has a cool delivery. Does he? He kicks his leg way out. That was fun. Oh, great. That's about all but I We have don't to have video him. of that. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's going What kind of operation is this? I want high leg kick. Get the video. Just kidding, video crew. All right, then let's talk about two studs. One kind of disappointing, one kind of amazing. Mookie Betts has been kind of disappointing. Would you agree? Uh, unquestionably so. Good, because I he bet he's arguably the top player in fantasy coming into the season. Only for Heath. I, I bet if Scott were here, and arguably Scott would be like, "Oh, he hasn't been that bad. He's this, he's that." I never sit Mookie Betts. So thank goodness somebody's willing to admit that Mookie Betts has been kind of disappointing. Well, yeah, all of those things are true. He hasn't been that bad. Relative to the league as a whole, he's been awesome. 
I would never sit Mookie Betts. Yeah. That doesn't mean he hasn't been disappointing. It doesn't mean that he won't be good moving forward, but it does mean he's been disappointing. We drafted him, and this is, you know, we see when things are going really well for Mookie Betts, he's arguably the best player in baseball and arguably the best player in fantasy. When things aren't going as well for Mookie Betts, he's still a really, really good player. And so, there, no, you should not panic about Mookie Betts. No, you should not sell him. But, you know, it's been a disappointing start to the season. What's interesting about Betts, he, has the, he is the number four outfielder in points leagues and number 17 in Roto. And this is usually when Scott and I get into disagreements because Scott typically defaults to the points league's rankings. Why is it so much different for Betts? Because his plate discipline is better than ever. 48 walks, 44 strikeouts. That always is going to boost the guy's value in points leagues compared to a standard batting average Roto league. He's number 17 at outfield. That's actually, that's actually like major bust. Um, because 268, not good. 10 home runs, nothing special these days. Six yeah. steals, not really getting much. Fine. Yeah. yeah. And 51 runs is really good, but 29 RBIs is not. Uh, so He is back in the leadoff spot. So he is. You know, that, that's something that moving forward we could see an increase in his counting stats. Um, well, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's, he's batting second before, so I don't know. Yeah, it'll, you know, it'll give him 20 extra play appearances over will. the course of the season. It's a big deal. Uh, it's not a small deal. I, I just, like, is this going to be 2017 all over again, which was fine? Or, like, if you were drafting Moogie Betts right now, pull up the 2017, he batted 264 with 24 home runs and 26 deals. Right now he's batting 268 with 10 home runs and 6 deals. Uh, you know, if you were going to draft Mookie Betts, where would you draft him? Fourth. Behind? Trout, Yelich, and Bellinger. Okay. All right. Cool. Nolan Arenado or Betts? Betts. Okay. And then kind of amazing, Freddie Freeman. Homered again. Can he keep it up? The only question is the home runs. You know Freddie Freeman's going to hit for batting average. You know he's going to be great. But he's the number six hitter in points, number three in Roto, with 18 home runs. He's on pace for 45 home runs, and that's with barely more fly balls than line drives. A 26.5% home run to fly ball rate, but he's hitting the crap out of the ball. So, you know, is this legit? Remember a couple weeks ago I said trade Freddie Freeman for J.D. Martinez. I don't think I do that anymore. But am I, being I think you fo- still do. You know, I, the, the back spasms, I'm always such a nervous Nelly with injuries. So the fact that J.D. Martinez has had some back issues maybe scared me a little bit too much. But if, yeah, if but Freeman's a home run hitter, then he's like one of the best hitters in baseball. He's one of the best hitters in baseball regardless. One of the best hitters in even, fantasy. Like after this hot streak, we're seeing him hit for more power than he usually does. And he's on pace for like a very similar season to what JD Martinez did last year. Yeah. Which was not JD Martinez's best season. So I still think you'd take JD Martinez over him, but that's not obviously a knock against Freddie Freeman. It's just he's probably not going to keep having a 27% home run to fly ball ratio. Um, he's an incredible hitter. That's there's no real case against him. I would just I would take the under on 40 home runs for Freddie Freeman, which still means I think he's going to hit, you know, 18 to 19 more. Uh, 
moving forward. But yeah, I, I think he's probably a bit ahead of what you should expect as far as home run. He only has 43 RBIs despite hitting 311 with 18 home runs in 65 games. It's really not that low, but you look at other guys who have hit the same amount of home runs. It's a little low. Freddie Freeman is batting 261 and slugging 283 with runners in scoring position. So that's weird. Maybe the RBI rate gets a little better, although it's, it's really not that bad of an RBI rate. Uh, yeah. in, in the bullpen, Joe Webb got a save for Atlanta, but Luke Jackson had pitched two straight games. Sean Kelly and Matt Barnes both blew saves in a pretty wild game in Fenway last night. Uh, who's the closer? In two weeks, who are the closers for the Rangers and Red Sox? Jose LeClerc, um, who the manager keeps talking about as getting close to taking the job back. I know he... Did he blow a save or did he just take the uh, loss over the weekend? Two bad two bad outings over the weekend, but I, yeah. I still would take Jose LeClerc. And one of them was... I, I think there was... It was kind of a fluky thing. Like he he had two outs, and then he had just like a really crappy ball fall in for a hit, and then yep. gave up a home run. So I I think he's the best reliever there. As far as the Red Sox, I don't know. I mean, Brandon Workman's been awesome this year, but uh, I I would hope they go get somebody by the end of July and kind of solidify this. But I, my answer is probably nobody. Okay. I still think Barnes is probably the best guy to own. He's just been struggling lately. What's worrying me a little bit about Barnes, not the runs, you know, his ERA has risen almost two runs in his last four appearances. That'll happen. But seven walks in his last eight appearances. And he yeah. had been amazing with his control this year. Last year he walked like five batters per nine or something crazy. But now Barnes' control is getting a little wild. So I would rank them Barnes-Workman, but it could be Workman-Barnes. Workman has been really, really good this year. He, uh, Chris, Fangraphs, yeah. true or false, is your homepage. You open up a browser, it goes to Fangraphs. Uh, let me see, because Google Chrome does. No, it's it's my number six page. Baseball Reference is actually uh, one spot ahead of Fangraphs on my most uh, opened pages. So, where's C- where's CBS? Uh, third. Hmm. I don't even want to know what second is. I want the audience to just try to try to guess. <laughs> I don't know. It might be like a competitor website, and then I don't want to embarrass you. It's not a competitor website, guys. <laughs> okay. It's right. work stuff. It's all work, it's work stuff, stuff, everybody. It's work st- oh, it's uh, it's uh, Baseball Savant. That's actually the one right after Fangraphs. Okay. okay. Um, so, fun with Fangraphs. Let's take a look at some advanced stats. Let's take a look at the leaders in hard contact rate. And if you want to go to Fangraphs, <laughs> click on Leaders. And then batting, and then this will be batted ball data. Joey Gallo is number one. Joey Gallo. I'll let Chris do it if he wants. Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Paul Goldschmidt, four. Rendon, five. Christian Walker, six. How about Shinsu Chu, seven, on this list of hard contact? Will Myers, Fran Mil Reyes, and Marcelo Zuna. So Goldschmidt, Walker, Chu, Myers, Reyes, Marcelo Zuna, those are names that might surprise people. What do you make of the hard contact leaders? Well, one thing that is worth noting, we've talked about it a little bit this season, but hard contact rate across the league continues to rise. It was up to 35% last season. I think it's 37.5% so far this season. So 
there was a point when a 37.5% hard contact rate was really good. Now it's pretty pedestrian, but even by that standard, all these guys are doing really, really well. And I think it's, you know, someone like Paul Goldschmidt, who's been disappointing this season, I think it makes you feel a little better about his chances moving forward. And I'm not too concerned about him at any way. Um, you're Will not, Myers is a surprise. What's that? You're not concerned about him, about Goldschmidt? No. No, we, we did this last year, and he ended yeah. up being incredible from June on. So well, the fact no, that he's it, hitting the ball it, really hard. It was earlier is, than that, though. I mean, it was like May. It, it was like one bad month for Goldschmidt last year. Now it's two. Was it? I'm almost positive. I don't... I will say the bad months weren't as bad this time. Like he's almost at an 800 OPS. I don't think he was even that good. Like, yeah, he he hit 293 in May, this which May. is surprising. Yeah, he didn't hit for any power, but yeah, he hit 293. Mm. That's that's pretty surprising. But I, I think this is a good sign that he's hitting the ball really hard, and we shouldn't have that much concern. I I don't think. I'm any more concerned about him than I would have been coming into the season. I think he'll still be very good. All right, that's Goldschmidt. Um, Goldschmidt definitely has league winner potential for you. What else on the most added list? On the on the hard contact list? Will Myers is surprising to see there. Um, I've pretty much given up on him as being much more than a like number four outfielder moving forward because he's just striking out way too much he's hitting a ton of infield fly balls but when he does square up a ball it's good good things are happening so that's nice to see i just i I still i'm not sure he's better than the third outfielder for the padres at this point yeah it doesn't really do it for me even last year i feel like he was doing good things at the beginning of the season and it just we know we know who he is he's bad give me all of the fran mil reyes over will meyer yeah reyes reyes just needs to get a little bit more consistent but yeah, you know he. I how about see, this? I also see his home run to we'll, fly ball rate is thirty five and point two percent, which is crazy. Sure, but he only has a one point nine percent infield fly ball rate. So you compare that to Will Myers is at fifteen percent. His twenty eight percent home run to fly ball ratio looks a lot hmm. uh, less sustainable than what Fran Mel Reyes is doing because a lot more Fran Mel Reyes uh, fly balls are viable. All right, next category is BABIP, hitter BABIP. Um, okay, so who are the leaders who are maybe the luckiest or among the luckiest? David Dahl still has a 434 BABIP. And you know that guys are going to have high BABIPs at Coors Field, but this is still, this is insane. 434 BABIP for David Dahl. Uh, Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau. <laughs> I want to say that Brandon Lau is the best, one of the best sell highs in, in fantasy. But... I, I buy that he's going to be a power hitter. And the, he's always delivered a better average than he should, going back to the minors. so Yeah, but he never struck out this much in the minors. He was always actually a, a decent contact hitter in the minors. Um, he's just an all-or-nothing guy at this point. He kind of looks a little like Ian Happ, actually. Um now, that's not to say he's going to go the way of Ian Happ, but he has a 20, a 19.7% swinging strike rate, and it was 18% last year. So, you know, we're going on over 100 games of him being, you know, a, a pretty lousy contact hitter. And 
he didn't have a super high Babbitt last year, so it's hard to say that he's just going to be a high Babbitt guy moving forward. He might be, but I think you're probably looking at more of a 230 to 240 hitter moving forward, mm-hmm. unless he inc- improves the, the contact. All right, that's Brandon Lau. Also on the list, Javier Baez, Joey Gallo, Yoan Moncada, Jeff McNeil, Shinsu Chu, who is also among the leaders in hard contact, right? Tim Anderson and Miguel Cabrera. That's your top 10. So Dahl, Meadows, Lau, Baez, Gallo, Moncada, McNeil, Shinsu Chu, Tim Anderson, and Miguel Cabrera. Your top 10 in BABIP. Uh, you know, what does this mean to you? Guys like Baez, guys like Moncada, they're going to be high Babbitt players. They've established that for their careers. Uh, I want to say Austin Meadows has been a pretty high Babbitt guy uh, as well, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, he was 336 last season um, in his 59 games. Look, Babbitt takes a really long time to stabilize it it's such a noisy stat there's so much that goes into it that's outside of a player's control that you know generally speaking you need about 1500 plate appearances before you can really definitively say okay we have a pretty good idea of what i what a batter's true talent level is when it comes to babip so you know a lot of this stuff is going to change i would guess at least one guy on this list has a three a sub 300 babip in the second half, and it, it'll probably be Joey Gallo. All right, then let's do one more fun with Fangraphs category. Uh, would you like to do pitcher ground ball rate or pitcher home run to fly ball rate? Home run to fly ball rate, I think, is is more interesting. Ugh, okay, fine. The other one's not interesting at all. It was a stupid thing. I'm sorry. It was a stupid waste <laughs> of time. Home run to fly ball rate. Who's giving up the most home runs per fly ball? You, Darvish, leads the way. 22.4% of his fly balls are leaving the ballpark. Garrett Cole, Kyle Gibson, Dakota Hudson, Jake Arietta, Shane Bieber. We talked about that with Heath yesterday. John Gray, Tyler Malley, Carlos Carrasco, and Ivan Nova. I am surprised that Trevor Bauer is not on this list since he's always, you know, since last time out, he was like, oh, every time I give up a fly ball, it's a home run. But these guys have it worse than you, Trevor Bauer. Darvish Cole, Gibson. Hudson, Arietta, Bieber, John Gray, Malley, Carrasco, and Ivan Nova. Uh, takeaways from the home run to fly ball rate leaders. Um, so, as with uh, hard hit, hard hard contact percentage, this has risen league wide from twelve point seven percent last season to fourteen point three percent this season. So, wow. you do have to take that into account. We're seeing a lot more guys with, you know in this range, the 20% range than you usually do. And that'll come down. Um, We probably won't see nearly this many, but you know, it's, it's a lot of guys who it's not terribly surprising to see them in this range. You know, Shane Bieber, someone who has really solid peripherals, but you know, over the course of what he's done this year and last year, he's been someone who's gotten hit really hard when he has gotten hit. So it's not, Totally surprising. John Gray, uh, both playing in cores and just that that lack of consistency that has defined his career. You know, he'll he'll strike three guys out and then give up a home run, and it's kind of hard to say which version of him is is coming because there's not a lot of predictability there. So, it, some of this is just bad luck. 
for for a lot of these guys. You know, I don't think they'll they'll give up this many home runs, but there are reasons for some of these guys to continue to struggle with that. I I would say Garrett Cole's probably the guy because he's so good at everything else. He's probably the guy who I would expect this to regress most for. He's a more than double what he was last season, despite giving up fewer fly balls overall. So, you know, you can't really call Garrett Cole a buy low, can you? No, but there's a, a a run and a half difference between his ERA and his Sierra right now. It, which is higher. His ERA is higher. His ERA is, yeah, 3.72 ERA, uh, Sierra in the, like, 2.324 range. Yeah, Garrett Cole is striking everybody out, too. He's been great. I mean, if I'm drafting pitchers today, I don't care what Garrett Cole's ERA is. He's probably my third pitcher. He's certainly in that discussion. I think I'd go Scherzer, Verlander, Cole. And, yeah, even ahead of Chris Sale, ahead of DeGrom. Uh, I think that's what I'd do. Okay. Thank you for your insight on Fun with Fangraphs, Chris. It's Team Name Tuesday time. More alliteration. Fun with Fangraphs, Team Name Tuesday, right? I mean, all right. Uh, Pueyos Hermanos for Cesar Pueyo. Okay. That's very good. That's a uh, a Breaking Bad reference. Um, Cesar Pueyo, can you talk about his mixed league viability? That was the question associated with Team Name Tuesday. Yeah, no, I, I cannot. I don't know. Right I mean, okay, he's an Angels outfielder. He's done some good things. I'm going to pull up his player page. Uh, like, obviously, this isn't really moving the needle much. You don't yeah, I mean, buy it. But he has... From, from what okay. I understand, he's hit fairly well in the minors in recent seasons. Um, 844 career OPS at AAA, but he's... He, look, I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years where guys like Jose Martinez or guys like Tommy Pham have kind of made this late career breakout after stalling out in the upper minors. Um, but I, it's, I, it seems unlikely. He's 28. Not, maybe, maybe there's something else there that I, that I don't know of. Cause I can't say I've done a deep dive, but my, my knee jerk reaction is to say that this is probably not anything. Re- yeah. He's 28 years old. So it's, it's unlikely. Okay. Pocket full of posy. Pocket full of posy. Yeah. Zach Gallen Fanakis. <laughs> that's very good. That's yeah, very that's, good. That's gonna win today, I think. I want yeah. you so Vlad. It's creepy. Sure. It's creepy. Domo Arigato, Mr. Renato. Okay. And somebody wanted to give us uh, a team name Tuesday just all about Peep. So this is Peep Name Tuesday. Peep Sop Choi, Joe Peepatone, Vicente Peepadilla, Scott Peep Sednik, JJ Peeps. And Shane Peeperino. All right. That works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. That's Wonderful. Fine. Let's read yeah. some emails. Fantasy baseball at cbase.com. Oh, by the way, you watched the game last night? It's a good game. Which game? The Warriors and the Raptors. Yes. Yes, I did. That was part of why I went to sleep so late. Yeah. Uh, These NBA final that's West a, Coast it's games. It's another reason. It was in Toronto. It wasn't a freaking West Coast game. It's another reason. Mm. Why hockey? That's on the West Coast. Is <laughs> hockey is better than basketball? The I mean, that's stop. Okay, listen. Basketball is better, but imagine like, at you look. You haven't watched people. Stan, you like, haven't watched people Stanley fall Cup. like people trip over themselves to praise 
playoff hockey. It's, a, it's as dude, if it's, it's like amazing. somehow a different product than it, it is. Like you either like hockey or you don't. Well, I don't it's care making much me realize hockey. I would have liked hockey more if I if I had watched it. But obviously, we're also we're looking at like the best teams, right? Playing great hockey. Like last night was great basketball. Those teams were playing great basketball. But imagine the NBA. Starting an hour earlier, the NBA Finals starting at eight o'clock instead of nine o'clock Eastern, which yeah, would be nice. And with like so many fewer stoppages, like that the goaltending thing on Cousins that took forever. And then what did they they reviewed a, a ridiculous no, thing I, in the final I, minute? I hate the the the. I've I've become an anti replay zealot in all sports. I think we should just get rid of it all because it's the entertainment factor should be more important than figuring out whether it was an inch to the right or to the left. Like these games get bogged down. It's true of every sport. I think baseball probably comes the closest to doing it right, but we shouldn't have these multiple multi-minute stoppages in, in key moments. It's just, it sucks the energy out of the building. It, yeah, no, I'm not quite anti replay. I'm not quite as anti replay as you are, but basketball, the stoppages are just unbelievable. Uh, So that's why hockey playoff hockey is better. All right. Email time. This is from... No name, really, on the first email, Adam? Way to go. Dear guy, buddy, friend, and dude, uh, will Whit Merrifield ever get another steal? We talked about that. The second question was, is Gene Segura the worst type of player in fantasy? He isn't hurting you, but he's barely helping you. He isn't hurting you in batting average or runs, but he's barely helping you anywhere else. Four steals? Uh, Is Gene Segura the worst type of player in fantasy? Or is it Jose Ramirez? Yeah, it's Jose Ramirez. No, no. The worst type of player in fantasy is probably um, someone who's really bad at baseball. No, but but the worst type of player that you would actually roster and start is probably a guy like Nick Marcakis, who it just feels so replacement level. But at the end yeah. of the year, because he plays every day, is going to have decent numbers. But I, I get it with Segura because he only has four steals now. He stole one last night, and you know he's yeah. usually a twenty steal guy. But keep in mind, he has led shortstops in batting average three straight years, so he's great there. He scored a ton mm-hmm. of runs. It's not that he's. It's not just that he's not helping you in runs. He's actually a big bonus in runs and batting average. He'll probably hit higher than two ninety one. Um, but I get it. I I think what makes Chris what makes Segura feel kind of ordinary is that shortstops have been so good this year. Sure, sure. But a guy who hits 290, the steals are the biggest disappointment for me. I, I, I was hoping he would still be that 20 stolen base guy. And if he's more like a 10 stolen base guy, things get a lot harder for him to to really be a strongly above average starting shortstop. But he still has been, you know, a, a solid starter. It's not it's not a superstar, but you didn't really have to pay a superstar price for him. It's nice to have some guys in your lineup that you just don't have to worry about. This email is from Carl L. Who would you rather have rest of season, Plezak or Canning? Canning. Plezak, I don't think, has the, the same strikeout potential. From Sean, should I consider selling high on Quetel Marte, or is this for real? No, this isn't for real, but the breakout is to a certain extent for real. He is legitimately taking a step forward and we saw flashes of it last season. He was a swing change guy. So I do think that there, there's definitely something real there. Just not, 
you know, maybe close to a 900 OPS reel. Yeah, he's currently, Cattell Marte is currently currently the number one uh, second baseman in points, number three in Roto. From Sean, when you do your rankings, what is the cutoff for a must-start player regardless of location or matchup? And then he wants us, well, why don't we do this first? Rank these second baseman for the rest of the season. Brandon Lau, Ozzie Albies, Nick Senzel, and David Bodie. Albies, Senzel, Lau, Bodie. All right, now the, when, when is the cutoff for must-start player regardless of location or matchup? So that's probably a pitching question, right? Yeah, I mean, hitter, you don't, you, you got to go probably to the end of the top 12 or top 36 at outfield uh, before you really start to get, just because matchups, they matter certainly, but over the course of the week, it's a lot harder to to make that call when you're talking about you know, seven games potentially against three different teams and seven different starting pitchers. So I do a little bit less juggling of the hitters in my lineup than I do the pitchers. Pitchers, I don't think you can get much past 20 to 25 before you, you're starting to look at guys that... Um, yeah, know. I think that's a little short because I think like Scott has Domingo Ramon 35th, Heath has him 33rd. Frankie Montas, Masahiro Tanaka... Those guys are in that range. Mike Miner, Brad Peacock, Cole Hamels. I think it's probably like the top 40 you're starting just about every week. <sighs> Look at the names. Yeah. It's, but hard, then, it's hard to get away like from. You're them. not starting all those guys at Coors Field if that's, that's their the only, only matchup, right? One. That's the only matchup. Coors Field doesn't count in this. Oh, I on, guess. I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a little deeper than that, but... Like Frankie Montas would never sit in. Right now, Mike Soroka, you're never sitting. Mike Miner, you're never sitting. Sure, I think sure, it's I think fair. it's top forty. All right, grade the trade from Dabs, sixteen team points league. Give Alvarez. I would assume you're Don. Oh yeah, I was like who? Jordan Alvarez. We're pronouncing it Jordan, by the way. Get Jordan. Chris Archer. D. That trade's only good if Alvarez gets demoted. Yeah, I mean, in a 16, Chris Archer does have more value in a 16-team league, and I know that goes without saying because every player has more value in a 16-team league, but a player like Chris Archer who relies so much on uh, volume has more value in a, in a league with fewer replacement-level options. In a 12-team league, you can probably stream something close to what Chris Archer will get you at this point, but in a 16-team league where, you know, potentially... 40 more pitchers are are rostered it it's it's a lot harder to replace him but even then you're you're selling it at alvarez's high point um, um yeah let me cut you off because i want to get through their emails uh but this is great on the video show they they've actually updated the question with a grade from chris and it says chris colon d it looks like a smiley face but that's just wonderful <laughs> all right this is from big sven it's adorable adam in, yeah right in lindenhurst uh, I dropped Herman Marquez for Jordan Alvarez in a 10-team league. Was that a good move? No. No, you almost certainly have a worse player than Herman Marquez, even in a 10-team league. Um, you know, he, he was, what, 16th in points, yeah. Yeah, 25th yeah. in Roto is what you said? That's right. Thank you for listening. Good job. Yeah, you have, you have a worse player. Even then, and this is what I was talking about earlier, 
just because a guy's disappointing doesn't mean he's bad. And in Ramon Marquez's case, it's clear that he has not been bad this season. He has been a disappointment. All right, Chris, and, we're going to go. Sorry. Uh, we have yeah, four minutes bad, left bad. and five emails. Um, okay, this is from Ryan. We always hear about Gallon, Lazardo, McKay, even Reyes. Uh, who, who has the highest floor and the highest ceiling among pitching prospects this year? That's a tough one. I, I would say Reyes still has the highest ceiling um, among this group. And I, Gallon seems like a pretty high floor guy. The only thing that gives me pause is we should see him in the Marlins rotation relatively soon. He's not going to get a lot of wins. And so maybe that makes his floor a little lower. But because he's succeeding so well at the high minors, I, I think he's you know not necessarily an ace, but someone who should be able to come in and compete. All right. We got uh, Jesse in Atlanta. Justin, dear Justin, Danny, Maynard, and Adam. You know what? I think maybe I should save this one for tomorrow because the question is about which closers are going to get moved and who's going to – like speculative closers for the trade. Is that Allison Chains? I think it might be. No, it's Tool. No. I think it's Tool. Tool. That's – okay. That's, yeah. that's his name, yeah. Uh, from Lou – Rank these outfielders in a 12-team league. D. Gordon, Avi Garcia, Hunter Renfro, Malik Smith, Brian Reynolds, Lorenzo Cain. I don't know the format, just 12 teams. D. Gordon, Avi Garcia, Hunter Renfro, Malik Smith, Brian Reynolds, Lorenzo Cain. And Cain's number one, and then it gets really tricky. Um, ah, man. I almost want to put Avi Garcia second. He's showing some really interesting signs so far this season. Ugh. I'm cool with yeah. that. I, th- I think I'm going with him second, and I think I'd take D. Gordon. D. Gordon third. Yeah. Uh, and Joe, Joe in York, Nebraska. Who's better rest of season, Austin Riley or Manny Machado? If I were to make a bet with my friend on this matter, what criteria should we use to determine that? And should injury issues lead to the wager dissolving? I think you probably want to use something like a rate stat. You know, maybe. No, Wobo no, or, or. no, no. You just use fantasy production. You do a report in your CBS league, whatever your format is. You do a custom report. You select the dates from this point to this point, and you see who ranks higher. And that is all you have to do, Chris Towers. Okay. And who do you think I, will I be would better? I would probably say Machado will be better, but I feel a lot less confident that Machado will be very good than I do that Riley will slow down considerably. So it's uh, th- that's kind of a tough one. I think if one player misses five more games than the other due to injury, the bet is off. And the last email we have is from the guy with sole possession of the best record in the podcast league asking, how are things going in the podcast league? Uh, I'm four and six, but things are looking up. My team, I made a good trade. My team will get better. I'm optimistic. I think I'm above 500. Well, then you're in good I, shape. I, I'm trying to trying to pull it up now, but I, I believe I got off to a slow start in that league, but I think things have been going better for me. Let's pull it up. Podcast Listeners League, the new Bornographers. 6-4-0. Doing really, really well. Good for you. All right, so I'm dragging up the rear a little bit. I'm, I'm in third to last place, I think. But I'm optimistic. Like I said, made a good trade. Got Mike Soroka a few weeks ago. Got Michael Conforto in the same deal. 
Uh, so uh, Scott's in first place. Is he really? Oh, Scott kills this. League. No, second place. Yeah, California Penal is the guy who wrote the email. He's in sole possession of first place. And that's it for fantasy baseball today. Thank you for your emails. Really appreciate it. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Chris Towers killing it back from vacation tomorrow. It'll probably be me and Heath. We'll talk to you then on fantasy baseball today.